Welcome to Canaan Bomb Podcast, episode number 22. I'm Tom Barthel, currently serving as pastor at Christ Lutheran Church in Baxter, Minnesota, a Wells congregation. We'll begin with our Canaan Bomb devotion. Like the stars. We read from Genesis 15, verses 1 to 5. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram was beginning to be fearful. He did have a promise from the Lord that his descendants would inherit the land, but two and two weren't adding up in his mind. How could he ever be blessed in this regard without having his own child first? God knows them all, all of Abram's concerns, before Abram even voices them. The Lord gives his assuring word, Do not be afraid, I am your shield, your very great reward. The Lord himself would give Abram, Abram all that was needed. The Lord himself would stand to protect his own. The Lord himself would be the source of blessing for him. Then Abram vocalized what he had been thinking in his heart. How? What can the Lord do for him to carry out the promised blessing if he is childless? This is not a cry of unbelief which scoffs nonsense at the promise of God. It's like Mary's cry when she said, How can this be since I am a virgin? How can this be, Abram wonders. This is the believer's desire for God to reveal more more information about his promise, a desire to further to comfort the mind and the soul. The word of the Lord comes to Abram again with the needed assurance. As Abram stares into the dark night sky, he would have seen the vast display that we see when we escape the city and street lights. God's own will number like the stars he sees above. When you have a struggle or begin to fear if God will carry out his good promise for you, God knows. Even before you can voice your concern, he knows that you need to hear his gospel promises. He gives those promises through his word. He gives them to you to drive out fear. You hear that word right now. You hear it in your church and through reading and hearing of the Bible. And when you crave more information on how this promise will be carried out, he gives you all the information you need to be comforted and to rest secure in his promises. How can it be that I will live forever? The believers in Corinth wondered. God revealed more information with a promise to comfort. You will be changed, imperishable. God gives all the details with his promise that we need for comfort and faith. Abram could now look out each sleepless night at the stars, remember God's promise, and rest easy. And you, children of Abraham through faith, can not only look to the countless stars to remember this promise, but to the blue skies as you hear his word and remember his promise for his people, promise of the Lord Jesus himself who ascended to heaven, who is your shield from sin, death, and Satan.
promise of the Lord himself, giving you his great reward of an inheritance in a new heaven and new earth. And as you look to the skies, you know by his word that he who died on the cross is lifted higher than the heavens, and he will come back. And all his promises for you will be kept. The Lord himself gives you all that is needed. The Lord himself stands to protect you as his own, your shield. The Lord himself is a source of blessing for you. He is your shield, your reward, your God. Don't be afraid. Rest easy. Up next is The Mountain by Branches Band.
Our next segment is Freedom in Christ, shared by Pastor Mark Falk. Galatians 1, 8, 9, Anathemazit. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. And then there is Canon 12 of the Council of Trent. If anyone shall say that justifying faith is nothing else but the confidence in God, divine mercy which remits sins for Christ's sake, or that it is this confidence alone that justifies us, anathema is it. Canon 12 was the church's response to that little monk who upset the whole world with his teaching that salvation is by Christ alone, by faith alone, by grace alone. Anathema sit is the Latin form of let him be condemned to hell. The Greek of Galatians 1.9 has the very same word, anathema, cursed by God. The curse of God, if it is not removed, means an eternal fate in hell. This is serious stuff. Now what does scripture say? Who and what deserves this anathema? God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.19 Now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. Romans 4, verse 4. Who agrees with Paul? The 16th century church? Or the rebellious monk from Wittenberg? Just examine the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 and Romans 4. Add to these words the words of John 3, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Do a study of justify and see that it must mean to declare right or just or not guilty. Justification is the declaration of our judge. It is the opposite of anathema. It does not depend on the love that God works in the sinner's heart. This love is a good work, but it's not the saving work of the Holy Spirit. This love is sanctification and not justification. When Jesus told the thief that he would be in heaven today, it was because the man dying next to him was the eternal Son of God, who was paying the price for his life of crime. There was no time for an atoning life of love. He just believed. The believer's love is a fruit of salvation, not the cause. From the beginning there were those who preached the salvation that looked to Christ but added something else. We will get to that as we go along in Galatians. My own sinful heart sometimes despairs because the work of the Holy Spirit seems so dim and weak in comparison to the passions of my sinful nature that rage and fight against faith and against a resulting life of love. Paul's strong word, anathema, accursed, is there to guard my weak heart and yours from another gospel, which is no gospel at all. In Romans 4, Paul writes that God justifies, declares just, not guilty, innocent before God, the wicked, David, the adulterer, Abraham the coward. In Christ, God no longer counts the world's sins against him. I am part of the world, and by faith this belongs to me personally, this reconciliation through the blood of Christ. God has declared us friends through Christ. There is no other gospel. Anything mixed into this gospel is deadly, anathema. Look to Christ, the cross, the blood, the empty tomb. 
always. God's Word for You is shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. Job 6, verses 11 to 23. We are returning to words of Job as he is answering his friend Eliphaz. What strength do I have that I should still hope? What prospects that I should be patient? Do I have the strength of stone? Is my flesh bronze? Do I have any power to help myself now that success has been driven from me? Maybe the psalm writer had this passage in mind and its godly solution when he wrote, My comfort and my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. That's Psalm 119, verse 50. Job knows that his resolve is crumbling. Am I as strong as a stone? Am I a man of bronze? He continues in verse 14. A despairing man should have the devotion of his friends, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Uh, In um, one of his letters, the Apostle John wrote, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Job is stepping on the very edge of his faith. He says, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty, but Job continued, but, but, or rather the, 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 the attacks that continued to happen to Job from his friends, they're, getting him no, they're giving him no place to turn at all. He has no consolation. Let's look at the next three verses, verses 15 to 17. But my brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams, as the streams that overflow when darkened by thawing ice and swollen with melting snow, but that cease to flow in the dry season and in the heat vanish from their channels. Poetically, verses 15 to 17 are remarkable because they form a a six-line unit that's called a hexacolon, the, the form of parallelism here is synthetic, which means that each successive line builds on the thought of the first line. My brothers are in, on, as undependable as intermittent streams. In this case, lines 2 to 4, which are verses 15b and 16 in our text, they focus our attention on the idea of intermittent streams, or in, in uh, wadis, as they're sometimes called. In Hebrew, they're nachalim uh, in the Middle East. We might call them gulches in the, out in the in American West. They're fed by melting snow and ice and by rainfall. Now, the, the lines 5 and 6 of this hexacolon, verse 17, show us the problem with such streams. They're, de- they're undependable because they dry up when you really need them the most. This passage is also significant because it's the first hint in the book of a coming storm. The point here is that there is a desperate need for rain. This also illustrates the desperate need Job has for useful comfort from his friends rather than what they have been giving to him. I'm going to be, well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try and uh, pick out those references to a coming storm as we continue through the book. Let's go to verses 18 through 20. Caravans turn aside from their routes. They go up into the wasteland and perish. The caravans of Tima look for water. The traveling merchants of Sheba look in hope. They are distressed because they had been confident. They arrive here only to be disappointed. In the Bible, when caravans are mentioned, they come from either Tima, as in Isaiah 21, or Sheba, as in 1 Kings 10 and 2 Chronicles 9, or or both, as, as they do here. 
the Ishmaelites of Gilead who brought Joseph, who bought Joseph as a slave from his brothers in Genesis 37, they were related to the Temanites. Such caravans were experts in knowing their routes and where to find water. The irony is that these would be the countrymen of Eliphaz the Temanite. He should sympathize since he himself undoubtedly traveled to see Job in such a caravan. Just as Eliphaz and his people would expect to find water at an oasis, Job expected to find comfort in Eliphaz, but he found nothing. For Job, Eliphaz is no more help than a mirage in the desert. Verses 21 to 23. Now you too have proved to be of no help. You see something dreadful and are afraid. Have I ever said, give me something on my behalf? Pay a ransom for me from your wealth? Deliver me from the hand of the enemy? Ransom me from the clutches of the ruthless? Once again, we have a reference to the gospel being used as the law. Job's friend Eliphaz has not given him comfort, but a kind of a condition, a bargain to make, a gospel of bribery. If only Job would do something for God, then God might do something for Job. But this isn't the gospel of the Bible. Paul said, Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. That's Galatians 1.8. The gospel of the Bible is Christ crucified for our sins. It doesn't give us error-free lives. It doesn't keep us from falling headfirst into sin. It doesn't keep our children from fighting. It doesn't mean that temptations won't ever blast through our lives like flocks of migrating birds. What the gospel does is give us forgiveness. It puts us and our children into the gracious hand of God who loves us and who forgives us. It lets us say with with Luther that although we can't let the flocks of temptations fly over our heads, we can keep them from building nests in our hair. The gospel is the message that we are right with God through the life and death of his son Jesus. Job's friends proved to be of no help, but Jesus himself has been help and more, the most perfect help and all that we need. Jesus is what Job needed and what we need, and Jesus is exactly what we have. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. For a closing song today, we'll listen to Christian Worship 467. May the mind of Christ my Savior. This song is from the Chapel Podcast at Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary.
You've been listening to Kane and Bomb Podcast, episode number 22. This podcast was first shared in May of 2013. We'd like to thank the artists featured in this episode, including Branches Band. We featured the song The Mountain from their album Light Eternal. Visit branchesband.com to find more information. We also would like to thank the Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary for posting their chapel podcast. You can find the whole service of each daily chapel service at wls.wells.net. You can find links to these and more artists at canonboundpodcast.com. Once again, my name is Tom Barthel. I was glad to be serving as your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net. Thanks for listening.